You are dialed in to the Success Line Podcast, the place where you get a chance to phone a friend, call in a lifeline, and ask a favor of someone who's been there and done that. This is Real People getting one-on-one coaching with Success Entrepreneurship Editor and New York Times bestselling author, Rory Vaden. Here's Rory. Hey there, it's Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group and your host of The Success Line. What you're about to hear is a real-life conversation with somebody that I am just meeting about the actual struggles they are facing each and every day in their life and their business. You and I are going to meet them at the same time. We're going to have an honest talk and then stick around at the very end and I'll do a debrief and a recap highlighting some of the biggest takeaways that you can apply to your own life. Let's get started. Well, Achiever, I'm so glad and excited to introduce you to my friend Stacy, who you're about to hear. So Stacy is the CEO of a coaching and training company, and that's about all I know coming into this conversation. And we're just going to have an honest conversation about what she's up to, what's going on in her life and in her business, and how we might be able to help her. So Stacy, welcome to the Success Line. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm such a fan of Success Magazine. I'm a fan of yours too, Rory, actually. And um, I have been writing in my goal book for the past 11 years that I wanted to be featured in Success Magazine. And so <laughs> this is like a dream come true. Uh, that is so awesome. Well, I, we're 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 so excited about that, and thanks for you know being willing to spend some time here with us. Um, you know, I think so. First of all, just tell us a little bit about your business, and then you know your your family situation, and any anything that gives us like the relevant context to what your what your big question is, or you know what we want to focus on. Yeah. So I'm a wife. I'm a mom of two. Um, I've been. How old are success- your babies? Oh, they are 11 and 13 already. It's oh my crazy. gosh. I have a, so I have a four-year-old and a two, Aww. almost two-year-old and my heart, I posted this on Instagram in one of my stories. You know, I dropped, I dropped my oldest Jasper off at school like once a week and my heart still breaks every time I see him walk up to the door and I, I posted, I said, does this ever go away? Like, I, it's like he's been going for like two years and I still like a little piece of me cries every time I drop him off at school. I know. And they're so brave, right? Look at us adults. We're like, oh no, I could never do this. And, and four-year-olds and, and our kids go to school and they have unknown for themselves all day and they just like truck through. So no, the tears are still there because, you know, you miss them and you want the best for them. But it's, it's a little different when they're 11 and 13, they might roll their eyes at you when you, when they get out of the car, you know, where Jasper's still sweet. So <laughs> they are sweet. Well, and so, so my wife and I are actually business partners. We've been, we were business partners in our former endeavor as well, which, which was a coaching company, interestingly enough that we grew to eight figures and then we sold. Um, and then, uh, brand builders group, our new, our, our new company is also a coaching company and she's the CEO. So she, is, you know, mom of two, CEO. So like, I automatically just feel for you. Like, I feel like what you're doing is so hard. It is so 
challenging. And just before we even get to like your question, what you're struggling with, I just want to say thank you and good job. Like (laughs) to even be here having this conversation and keeping up with all the stuff that you're keeping up with, like you are tremendous woman and uh, the world's a better place because of you. And it's not easy to raise two kids and, and, you know, have a job outside the home and be the CEO of, you know, an, a fairly large enterprise. Cause y'all are, you're all seven in the seven figures, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. I think, you know, as women and business owners, you know, it's hard to remember that there's so many plates that need to keep spinning. And mm. so I just appreciate you acknowledging that because it is tough, you know, and um, yeah. So how, how many I'm, team members do you have? Uh, 15. Wow. Okay. And and are they all full-time employees or some are contractors? Yeah. Some are part-time contractors. Yep. Just from the nature of the coaching business. Yep. Of course. And so, um, all right. And so you are the CEO of this, of, of the business. Yeah. And that's a newer position for you, right? Yeah, correct. I actually, um, was the first client of the coaching company. And so, oh. I grew my way into director of coaching and COO and now CEO. And so, yeah, I've had a really great ride in a, in a short amount of time. I love that. I love that. We've had, we've had several of our clients become coaches over, over the years. And, uh, they're some of the best coaches because you experience the product and, and you speak with conviction of how it changed your life. I mean, it's really, really powerful. I've also heard, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I've heard that, um, a, a client will never be willing to invest more into their personal development than you've been willing to invest into your own personal development. That is so spot on because you can see it in, you know, the industry and just how people grow and maybe some that don't grow and, and they're getting the same tools, the same advice, right? But there's a component of, you know, are they investing more into personal development? Are they actually taking action? And so, yeah, you can see it firsthand if they're not willing to spend or you're not willing to spend money on your own development, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have the results. Yeah. And I, I've always been amazed how it's like, like when I first got into this industry and I, you know, I started reading like John Maxwell books and things when I was like 18 years old. And so I would go to these events and I always thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in a room with a bunch of people who like don't know anything about what they're doing. And I've, I've always found it to be the opposite. It's not the, the people who really need to be there that are in all these rooms, you know, or in the coaching program. It's all the top performers. It's all the high achievers. It's all the, you know, the, the movers and shakers. And, uh, you know, and here you are, the, a, 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 seven, a CEO of a seven-figure business, and you got 15 people on your team, and you've risen through the ranks. And um, so, anyways, how's it going? So tell us a little bit about, like, how's it going and what's, you know, what's like your big, what's your big question or what's your big issue right now? Yeah. So as far as the coaching company, like our team is the best team we've ever had. So we've got a really great culture. Mm. It's an, it's a culture of achieving and exactly like talent attracts talent. And so we have such a good team right now. And just the, the information that we're putting out and all those things are top notch. The struggle in a high ticket coaching and training environment for Mm. us right now is a dip in revenue. 
And so right. my question revolves around that because as, as a high achiever running a high achiever company yeah. or a high performing company, when you're not hitting your goals, I find it really difficult to understand when to, you know, just say, who cares about that goal? We got to find a new one because we're just absolutely not hitting it. You know, at what point do you sort of give up and and admit defeat, but then still trudge forward to a goal? Because Mm -hmm. when you have such high performance, nobody likes to lose. And so while the culture is great, we're not hitting our goals. We're not achieving the things we normally would. And so it's, it's sort of taking a toll on how do we be agile and how do we shift from here? So it's a big question. <laughs> yeah, I love this question. And and for you listening, number one, some, someone out there listening, some of you listening right now, you are a mom and you're working outside the home in addition to the insane amount of work that you do in the home. And you're you probably struggling with some of this, this very same question. You may not be a CEO, but you're, we all run into this, right, Stacey? It's like, we all especially if you're an achiever, you set high goals. And so you're, it's like, what happens when you're so far off? How do you keep going? How do you move forward? And so, you know, I see you, I see you listening. I see you, Stacy. And it's, it's very difficult what you're, what you're talking about. Um, and so there's a couple things here. So pretty much I, I think of everything in terms of mindset and method. And I want to talk about the mindset part of this first, because the mindset to me matters more than the method. And especially for people who are busy raising kids and doing other things and also trying to have a business. And, and here's the part that breaks my heart is when people feel when people who are working hard, doing their best and quote unquote, not hitting their goals and then feeling like they're failing. Is that how you feel? 100%. And, and the rest of the team feels it as well. So it's hard to show up day after day, working your tail off and the results just aren't coming. They're not coming quick enough. And we're not sure how to even shift to make sure they do start happening. So here's my question for you. Honest question, at least for you, we could talk about the team as well. Do you feel like you are doing the best you know how to do? Do you feel like you're really, I'm not saying that you're, you're performing at the best you could perform. You could always perform better. I'm saying with the current time and resources and talent and skills and knowledge that you have, do you, do you feel like you're doing the best you can right now with what you have? Yes, definitely. All right. So this is an important question. This is, and, and, and when you wrote in to, to, to be on the show, you, you also said, uh, what do I tell the team? Because the team probably feels a little bit like you do, I would guess, is like, hey, we're, we're freaking working hard. Like, we're doing everything we can. How, how do, what do I, what, but, but we're not winning on the scoreboard. What do I tell them? Is that, do you feel like they feel the same way? Yeah, for sure. Because if I'm going to come in and, and be really motivating, right? That's not being truthful because I'm not feeling super motivated right now either because we're not Mm. hitting our goals. So it's hard to be incongruent in that sense. Okay. Now let me stop you though. This is where I would challenge you. Okay. And here's where I think there's a pivot in mindset, which is where 
where I want to talk to you about this, right? Here's the problem that here is, I'm going to go so far to say is this is a mistake. This is something that achievers do wrong is they put all of their focus on results, not just their focus on results. It's not bad to focus on results. I am a results driven guy. Most of the ultra performers that I have spent time with and study and been around, they're very results driven people. Here's the problem is to put your self-esteem in your results. Putting your self-esteem in your results is different than putting your focus on results. Your self-esteem, and and by the way, there's a whole little section on this in um, my first book, Take the Stairs, which has now been out for several years, but your self-esteem should not be tied to your results. And here's why. If your self-esteem is tied to results, your self-esteem will constantly fluctuate up and down. It will be a rising and falling tide. And in it, there are certain times in your life where you really just don't have results. I mean, I don't believe in excuses, but when you have something like COVID hit the world, it affects a lot of things. And if your self-esteem is tied to some result that you're having in a difficult period, then there's things out of your control that sometimes do affect results. But if your self-esteem is going up and down, then that means you're not bringing your best to work every day. You're not, you're not doing your best, bringing your best. Like, you're, like you just said, I don't feel motivated because I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm losing. And this is a, a massive trap because you feel like you're working your tail off and you feel like you're losing. And it's like, it's just this lose-lose. And so what I would tell you and what I would say to them is you have to make a, a switch in your mind to put your self-esteem instead into your work habits, not your results. You have to put your self-esteem into the controllables. Am I showing up? Am I doing my best? Are we executing the plan? Are we executing the system? Are we following the processes? Are we following the protocols? Are we doing everything? Are we executing? And, and there's a big difference in, in putting your self-esteem in execution versus putting your self-esteem in results. I will never be upset at my team if we don't get results. I will be livid pissed if we aren't executing. And there are times when we execute and don't get results and I am proud of my team. And I am proud of myself. And there are times when we are not executing and we are getting results and I'm pissed because we're not executing it. The results are a byproduct of habits. Results are a byproduct of execution. Results go up and down. Self-esteem though, has to be steady. Self-esteem has to be unwavering. It has to be consistent. It has to be solid. It has to be immovable and unshakable. And I'll, and I will tell you this, Stacy, just to, to relate with you. I don't think I've ever hit a goal in my life. Like, um, I was valedictorian and I got a full ride scholarship to college, but I wanted to get into Stanford. I didn't get into Stanford. I wanted to win the world championship of public speaking. This is a contest put on by Toastmasters. Uh, I I thought that would launch my speaking career. There's 25,000 contestants who enter the contest. Uh, 
Um, I did not win. I came in second place in the world. I wanted to be a number one New York Times bestselling author. To this day, I am not a number one New York Times bestselling author. I hit number two, right? So I was a number two New York Times bestselling author. I wanted to have a TED Talk with 50 million views. My TED Talk has a lousy 4 million views. Like I literally, my life is a series of falling short of these huge goals, but my self-esteem doesn't change because here's the, here's the key is my self-esteem is going, I will outwork all y'all. I will out execute all y'all. I will show up whether there's COVID, whether there's the global economic crisis, whether there's nine 11 or whether we have, you know, prosperity and we hit a viral Ted talk or we hit a huge, you know, we get a huge media appearance Either way, I'm going to show up. And that is, I think, a big mindset shift that needs to happen for your team is that you have to put your self-esteem into your work habits, not into your results. And I think it is probably something that you need to do. Now, you are, as the CEO, you are accountable for results. This isn't, an ex- this isn't a permission to... This isn't a permission to accept excuses. In fact, it's the opposite. We, we don't accept excuses for lack of execution. Um, th- we have to execute. But the results, the results, the money, the PNL, those are byproducts of decisions and habits that we make every single day. And you got you to gotta wake up and look in the mirror and go, am I doing my best? Am I leaving it on the field? Am I bringing everything I got? Am I, am, I, am I momming the best I know how? Am I wifing the best I know how? Am I CEOing the best I know how? Are we selling and marketing and customer servicing the best way we know how? And if that is, if it's not true, then get to work. But if it is true, then you need to free yourself of the pressure and the overwhelm and this feeling that you're failing, you're not failing. You are investing and planting seeds that will produce fruit, even though they're not producing fruit right now. Does that make sense? It really does. I think a couple things that you mentioned that now I can see holes in my process, how I was thinking, you know, number one, I'm probably acting more like, a a thermometer instead of a thermostat. So I'm not staying equal with my own self-esteem or how I'm reacting to things. You know, I'm not taking out frustrations on the team, nothing like that, but I'm definitely up and down, like you said, just how I'm feeling. And when I do that, I'm not executing things that need to be completed. Yeah, sort of those how, foundations. You, you can't execute when you feel like a failure. You can't execute when you feel like you suck. You can't execute when you feel like you're not winning. And it's like the, the separation is we have to go self-esteem and results, right? And self-esteem, I need my self-esteem intact to drive execution. The results, they will come. The results always come negative or positive, the results will be there. They are simply the byproduct of your work habits and your execution. But if your self-esteem is up and down, that, that if your emotions are constantly up and down, it is a telltale sign that you've got your self-esteem in the wrong place. You've got it in the uncontrollables in the results, and it needs to be moved over into the controllables. Yeah. And so when you're looking at 
you know, moving your self-esteem, setting your ego aside, setting, you know, your ability to figure everything out and relying more on the who's, the people on your team and yourself from executing day to day. Yeah. How do you separate that? Is it, is it get really clear on the plan and, and maybe I'm not clear on the plan because I can't figure it out because I can't control what's happening? How, how do you do that? How do yeah, you move I, that way? Stacey, you are really, really, really smart woman. And the question you asked is perfect because mindset is part of, mindset is part of it. Now, the other part is method. The method won't matter. If your self-esteem is fluctuating, the method won't matter. Like it'll, it'll break down. But assuming we can get you to go, okay, let me separate my self-esteem. Now, now you have this asset, which is your self-esteem. Now we have to put it to work, which means, again, it's not an excuse for poor performance. It is, it, it is actually a call to activate your execution. And so we got to go, yeah, now why aren't we getting results? Um, one reason we're not getting results is because our self-esteem is probably fluctuating up and down. So let's, if we got to get that problem solved, but the other reason is if there's not results, there is a reason why. And so now we can focus objectively, logically, factually, unemotionally on what is the cause of that problem. And we can separate the, the humanistic and the emotional issues because we know we're bringing our best and our team's bringing their best every day. So that is my next question for you is to go, okay, let's assume we go, let's get, let's get the team refocused on putting their self-esteem into their, their work habits. Then the next question is going, okay, why are revenues, revenues down? So specifically the question, you know, you said is revenues down. Well, it's pretty logical when revenues down in, in a coaching business, which I happen, you know, we happen to understand really, really well. Um, and, uh, you know, it might be a better question for my wife as the CEO. She's, she's the one that handles all the, you know, the finances and more of like the analytical components, but it is always either a matter of retention. Okay. So it's either our customer, I mean, High level, if revenue is down, it's one of two things. You either don't have enough new customers or you don't, you're not getting enough revenue out of each customer. If you're not getting enough revenue out of each customer, there's only two things. You either need to increase the price or you need to increase the retention or the life, the customer lifetime value. So basically you either have a retention issue or you have a new customer issue. You might have both. And the answer is simply found in the numbers, but it has nothing to do with, oh, I'm a failure and I'm horrible. And you know, that stuff is only like, if you're not working hard, get your butt in gear, like get to work. But if you are, you go, great, objectively, where's the problem? Do we not have enough new customers or do we not getting the most out of our existing ones? What's the answer? I think I could definitely answer both ways. It's definitely, we're not getting enough new customers but I think that is a reflection of retention because if we were retaining our customers, they would be giving us referrals. There would be no question about having enough new customers because the existing customers that are staying with us, they're going to be you know, referring all their friends, talking about us. We don't have to spend bazillions mm-hmm. of dollars on marketing. So I'm going to go with the latter that we have a retention problem. So I like that answer a lot. Now, empirically, you could simply look at the data and go, is our retention down? 
from where it used to be. And, and that would at least answer to go, okay, if it is down from where it used to be, then there is a potential lack. There is a breakdown in execution somewhere. There is something that we are not doing. Um, but you know, I love what you said because the, the bigger answer, I mean, he, here's our philosophy. This is one thing that we talk about to our team at brand builders group and to our clients. We tell our clients, if you do your job, right, your customer force should become your sales force. Your customer force should become your marketing department if you do it right. So what you just said instinctually, I love because the best marketing in the world is a customer evangelist, right? Is a changed life. The best marketing in the world is a changed life. Somebody who says, you guys freaking changed my life. And that's, you know, part of how we started this second company from scratch so quickly is we happen to have a couple really well-known first customers who have really big mouths and they had a really a transformative experience. And that is what we're always focusing on is going, okay, so then the question is not only just, and, and even thinking about the question, I wouldn't think about it so much of going, how can we get more retention out of our clients? That's a very self-centered way of thinking about it. The question that we want to ask is, what can we do to help get our to help our clients get results faster? What can we do to help our clients get results faster? And that's a question rather than going, am I doing enough? I'm not good enough. Are we working hard enough? Like all that head trash just needs to go. And we need to become relentlessly consumed with the question, how do I help my customers succeed faster? Because you're right. If we can help them succeed, they will tell everybody. Um, and we, now I will say this, I'm a very believe, a big believer that referrals should also be a proactive thing. Um, we have plenty of customers who we have changed their freaking life and they still don't refer us to anyone unless we call them and ask them. And so that's an execution thing. But but you're, I like where your head is at a lot there. If, if, if we can help them succeed, you know, if they were winning, they would be telling people. So what do we got to do to help them win? And so when I, I hear you say that, and I, I obviously completely agree. So my second question on that then is if you're helping people win, and I think this even goes back to when you said, you know, you got to execute on, on the things and, and set your ego aside. It kind of goes along right with our clients as well. And if we're looking to help retention and help get referrals and, you know, they're going to be the best case studies we have, mm -hmm. how do you get them to see results? Because it's hard for us even as a CEO and as, as coaching and training company to even see how we're impacting their lives, but how do you get them to see it and recognize it? And then in turn, you know, yeah. help be your, your personal billboard. Mo most of it you have to ask for, I mean, I, and I'll share you, I'll share with you, I'll share this with you. I would say in my entire career of doing coaching, there is a part of me that wakes up every day and goes, damn, does any of the stuff we teach actually work? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm always terrified of like, okay, is it, is it working? And, and one of the, one of the great things about it is to go, you know, at least in our case, we go, well, all we can do is teach people what we do. 
And as long as we're teaching people what we do and we're teaching people what the, the people who are winning do, then it's like, yes. But uh, there's always a little part of me that just has this fear of like, oh, I would just, you know, I want to make sure we're doing the right things. We're saying the right things. We're, we're helping people. But I would say this, a lot of times you're, there are results that your customers are experiencing that they don't share with you. So one of the things you are probably not doing as good of a job as you could in terms of execution is you have to operationalize the concept of asking them, how are you doing? What are your results? Um, You know, you need to start every coaching call by asking them, tell me what wins you have had since the last time we have talked and we need to document it. And then the coaches need to have a way to, f- to float that up to where it's not just like, cause, cause to the coaches, right. They don't pay that much attention to it. Um, is, is, I mean, some of them do naturally, you know, and they do from the standpoint of like, I want my clients to feel good, but they don't realize that is what we need to capture and put on the website and like celebrate and promote and highlight. So you have to, you have to ask them what wins are you having? And if they say something, you need to capture it and codify it and then celebrate it, right? So like, I'll give you an example. We had a client that hired us to help her with her TED Talk. Um, this is a great, oh my gosh, this is such a good example. So we had a woman, because we do personal brand coaching. So we only work with like people. We help them build their profile. And this one woman uh, was one of our clients and she got an opportunity to do a TED Talk. And she hired us to, to help her write this TED Talk. So she comes through our training. We help her write her TED Talk. And then she goes away. And literally, we heard nothing back. A year later, I'm on YouTube. I see her. And her TED Talk has 1.8 million views. And I'm like, so I messaged her and I was like, and so I first watched the talk and as I watched the talk, it was exactly what we taught her to do. She followed the plan precisely, like did everything we did. And I was, I texted her. I'm like, Jen, what, like did your Ted talk has almost 2 million views. She's like, Oh, I know it's amazing. It's changed my life. I'm getting thousands of messages. Like every single month, my followers are growing up. I'm getting brand deal. And I'm like, well, did you think to stop and tell me? And of course she didn't. And, and I never stopped to ask. And so if you don't close that loop, you know, she disappears. And then one day you wake up and you go, does the stuff we teach actually work? Like, are we actually helping anyone? Because here's who you do hear from. You hear from the people who are pissed off. <laughs> you, Always. <laughs> right? You hear from the person who's been paying you for six months, hasn't done a thing that you've taught them to do hasn't gotten results and now they're upset and they want their money back. You hear from those people. And especially if you're the CEO, that's the only people you hear from. Cause by the time it gets to you, the only ones that bubble up to you are the big ones. Mm-hmm. So you got to operationalize asking. You got to ask for the good news. Um, and you got to do check-ins and, and I'm not going to reveal it here because uh, there's a, there's a technique that I taught for a video I did here for success. It's called uh, uh, client check-ins and check-in is an acronym about how to ask for referrals. So, you know, C-H-E-C-K-I-N. Well, the concept of a check-in though, is that before you ask for referrals or part of how you ask for referrals is you should check in with them. How's it going? Catch me up. Can I help you? Is there anything you need to update me on? And so many times salespeople, 
this is a little bit of a, a terrible metaphor to use, but it's, it's kind of unfortunately accurate. They kind of have like, um, you know, it's, it's like a one night stand or something. Like <laughs> we make the sale and then we leave and we just like, we're afraid to talk to them again. And we never, we, we don't have a relationship. It's like, Oh, I got their money. I hope they had, I hope they had a good experience. Um, and we need to operationalize going, no, call them back. How you doing? What's going on? And, and sometimes we're afraid of getting bad feedback, but you know what? If there is bad feedback, we need to get it first. We want it to come to us, not on beyond social media. And we don't even want it. Even if they never said negative things, we don't want them to harbor it. If somebody has those, we need to flush that out because we're the ones that can do something about it. Um, and a lot of times people, you know, specifically with coaching, People sign up for coaching and then it's like, you know, a year later after they're done, they look back and go, wow, everything I'm doing, I learned from that program because there's always a delay, just like we talked about. There's always a delay um, in uh, Take the Stairs, in my Take the Stairs book, I call it the slinky effect. You remember the slinky? Did you have yeah. a slinky? You may not be old enough to have remember slinkies. Uh, I know what it is. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, this thing, it's like it goes down the stairs and then the back part catches up. That relationship is the same between work and results, right? The work goes first, the results show up later. Um, and we run our clients through the ringer. I mean, we work the crap out of them. We put them through so many exercises and frameworks and processes and discussions and, and, um, and templates and tools. And it's like, that's one of the things too, is in your, in your, it depends on how you're selling it, right? Like we don't tell people, Hey, we can make you an overnight, you know, millionaire. We tell people, no, we're playing the long game. So, but anyways, you need to operationalize asking um, and you need to help your clients maybe understand too, like, Hey, this is a process. I mean, that's just, cause that's just the truth. Like nobody changes their life overnight in anything, money, relationships, like your, your, your sales, your fitness, like none of it just changes, uh, overnight with the exception of like a few things. So that's on the method. I think the method, the, the mindset we've talked about when it comes to your method, I think you need to obsess about the question. How do we get them results faster of what your instinct already is to do it. And you need to operationalize finding out how you doing? What can I help you with? You know, if you are upset, please share it with us. But if you're having results, share that with us too, because the people who get results, they don't stop to come back and tell you they're too busy getting results. The people who complain are the ones who have time to complain because they're not getting results because they're not doing the stuff that you told them to do. So operationalize both the obsession about customer results and the process of checking in with your customers, combine that with the mindset of self-esteem and your work habits, not your results. And uh, I think things will turn around for y'all, Stacey. Oh, I greatly appreciate it. I really love the advice. I love the frameworks and I'm going to take it and run with it and definitely report back on, on how we made it work for us. I love it. Well, 
TC and our team at Success, y'all hear that? We need to follow up. We need to follow up with and do like a, we need to do like a Shark Tank thing here on Success Line <laughs> yeah. and be like, where is Stacy two years later? Um, so I love that. But Stacy, you have everything it takes to be successful. You are so smart and service centered and um, you're asking the right questions and you're focused on the right things. Um, give yourself a little bit of slack, okay? And uh, n- not not to not work. You need to work your butt off as best you can, but, but let the results come and trust and have faith that if you put in the work and if you execute sooner or later, the results have to come, but we believe in you. We're so glad you've been here and we wish you all of the best. Hopefully this will provide you a straight path uh, from where you're at to where you want to be. Something we call the success line. Thanks, Stacey. Thank you. What a fantastic conversation with Miss Stacy. And there's a couple highlights that stuck out for me, some salient points and some some key takeaways from that conversation that frankly were good reminders for even for myself about, oh yeah, I forgot, you know, how how this works and how important it is. And uh, I just wanted to share a few of those with you as sort of a mental highlighter, a bit of a recap from the conversation. So first of all, this this is a question that I don't think enough people think about. And this is a question that I don't think enough entrepreneurs and service providers and side hustlers and small business owners and even CEOs don't spend enough time focused on. And it's a really, really powerful and important question. And the question is, how can I help my clients succeed faster? That is, that is how you should be thinking, right? What most of us do, that's a service, what we call a service-centered mindset. How can I help my clients succeed faster? What most of us have, have is a self-centered mindset of how can I get more money out of my clients? How can I you know, keep them around longer? And really, we want to flip that and turn it inside out and just go... I have to trust and I have to believe that if we do a great job with our clients, if we can actually help them get results, if we can, if we can help them close the gap between where they are at and where they want to be, then sooner or later, somehow that will come back to us. And I know that's not like the short-term focus that we all want of just like, I need more money in my pocket right now. Cause a lot of times that will take more time and money up front, but you know, it is, it is the pain paradox from take the stairs. Easy short-term choices lead to difficult long-term consequences. Meanwhile, difficult short-term choices lead to easy long-term consequences. So be willing to pay that price, make that investment now. How, ask yourself, how can I make my clients be more successful faster? The second thing, which is a very important tactical takeaway for all of us, is go back and talk to your past clients. Talk to them. Talk to your past clients. Find out what are they doing? What are they up to? How are they? If, if you, and, and by the way, if you're afraid to talk to your past clients, that's a good sign. You're not 100% sure that you did everything you could to help them be successful faster, right? I mean, let's be honest. If I have reluctance, if I have hesitation, if I have fear, if I am scared to talk to a past client, 
it's because I'm not 100% confident that I did everything in my power to help that person when they were a client. That's real. If you feel that way, you should call them and don't ask them for a referral. Don't ask them for more money. You should call them and ask them, how can I help you? What are you up to these days? How can I help you? Because you really shouldn't ask for referrals until you feel like you've done everything in your power to help that client succeed. Once you've done that, now you've got permission to ask for referrals and you won't feel hesitant about asking for referrals because you'll go, man, girl, I have delivered the goods for you. I have over delivered. I have rocked your world. You should introduce me to people because we've, we have changed your life together, you and me, right? So that's more of the place you want to be in. You don't want to be like begging for referrals from someone who you're not totally sure you did a great job for. You want it to be like, I have, I have delivered the goods to you. You should want to tell all your friends about me because I am freaking awesome. And what we've done together is freaking awesome. So let's do it, right? That's So check in with your past clients, talk to them and do one of those two things. If they love you and they're ecstatic, great. Capture their story, capture their results, ask them for referrals. If they're not, then get them there. Do the work it takes to get them there, but but you got to talk to them, and it's much easier to, to 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 repair that relationship even than it is to go create a new relationship out of thin air. So so do that, um, and then the last thing, which is, I think the whole theme of that conversation, which we said several times, put your self esteem into your work habits, not your results. And this is not. Don't hear what I'm not saying. As my my pastor always tells me that, he says, Rory, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not giving you permission to not work hard. And I'm not giving you permission to not care about your results or to not focus on your results. You should care about your results. You should be focused on your results. You should be tracking them. What I'm saying is your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-confidence should not be attached to the result. The result may or may not happen. Results typically are not things that are 100% in our control. And so our self-esteem should be tied to the things that we can control, to our work habits. And that is where it's like, if you're not working, if you're not executing, then get to work. Do what you know you should be doing. Take the stairs, right? That's where the the phrase take the stairs comes from. Do what you know you should be doing and, and focus on that. But if you are doing that, right? If you are doing that, not just at work, but at home, right? Like if you're trying to be a great spouse or you're trying to be a great parent or like you're, you know, my mom was a single mom. She had two kids, right? Like there's only so much she can do, but you, you have to ask yourself, am I doing everything I know how to do? And if the answer is yes, then give yourself a break in terms of you shouldn't feel guilty, just know and trust and, and give yourself the perspective of knowing, you know what? I know it's going to work out. If I'm doing the best I know how to do, I know it's going to work out. But if you're not doing everything you know how to do, if you're not executing, you know, if you, if you're not doing the things you know you should be doing, then get to work, like stop 
whatever you're doing and quit whining and quit being distracted and go freaking get to work. And, and that applies even if you are getting results. If you're getting results, but you're not working, like you're not doing what you know you should do, that's not something I'd be proud of. Because my pride is not, again, connected to results. Results may or may not come. I mean, they will come at some point. But if, if you're doing all these things right, but it's like, I shouldn't be proud of a result that I delivered when I did nothing to earn it, right? Like when I had a, a, a hot streak of referrals or the market change, it's like, what, why would I be, what should I be proud of? I did nothing to do that. What I should be proud of is that each and every day I wake up and I bring my best. I do my best. I work my hardest. I execute. I'm client centered. I'm, and I'm, I'm focused on delivering results for the people around me. And I'm doing the things I know how to do. And I am obsessing about how can I help my clients be more successful faster. If I am doing those things, then I should be proud of myself regardless of the results. So that's what we got for you from this episode of The Success Line. We'll catch you next time. And until then, remember, success is never owned. It's only rented. And the rent is due every day. If you would like to appear on The Success Line, head to success.com slash success line guest to fill out the application form. If you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to rate, review, and most of all, tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.